Learning to Love Ourselves, Wednesday, December 16th. Commenting on Jesus' golden rule, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. In his book, The Cross of Christ, John Stott writes, Self-love is a fact to be recognized and a rule to be used, not a virtue to be commended. This at least seems to have been the perspective of the Apostle Paul when he encouraged the husbands in Ephesus to love and take care of their wives. Ephesians 5.29 says, He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. In a time when women were considered property and often disposable, These words called for a revolutionary new way for husbands to treat their wives. But to make his point, Paul includes an idea that sounds very strange in our current cultural landscape. The idea that no one ever hated their own body. With today's prevalence of eating disorders, gender dysphoria, and self-harm, it seems like our culture may be starting from a very different place than Paul's was. In Psychological Reflections, Dr. Carl Jung writes, There is no need to preach love thyself to people in olden times, because they did so as a matter of course. But how is it nowadays? End quote. Drawing on much of Jung's work in his book, Twelve Rules for Life, Dr. Jordan Peterson suggests that Jesus' commands to love your neighbor as yourself and do to others what you would have them do to you should be read as equations rather than injunctions. So there should be an equivalent balance between how we treat others and how we treat ourselves. If this reading of the golden rule and second greatest commandment is correct, then we could just as well use our self-love to measure how we should treat our neighbors as we could use our neighbor love to measure how we should treat ourselves. There are, of course, other passages like Philippians 2.3, which says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. But the issue of learning to love ourselves involves correcting the self-hatred which seems so common today, as well as correcting our propensity to neglect the stewardship of our own lives and bodies with which God has entrusted us. This is not an excuse to live self-indulgent, self-centered lives. Rather, as Dr. Peterson continues in the chapter, treat yourself like someone you are responsible for helping, is what he says, quote, You are important to other people as much as to yourself. You have some vital role to play in the unfolding destiny of the world. You are therefore morally obliged to take care of yourself. You should take care of, help, and be good to yourself the same way you would take care of, help, and be good to someone you loved and valued. End quote. Getting to the point where we're willing to take our care of ourselves requires looking at the story we believe about ourselves. In some churches, the first thing we hear from the pulpit about ourselves is that we're broken, sinful, and in need of a savior. But that's not where the Bible starts in the description of humanity. Genesis 1.26 says that we are made in the image of God. This means that at the deepest level of our identity, even deeper than our brokenness and our flaws, there's dignity, majesty, and nobility. We represent the almighty creator of the universe. 
This means glory is much original than sin. And that completely changes the way we think about redemption. In Luke 15, Jesus tells this parable about the kingdom of God. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Don't miss the symbolism. The woman seeking the coin because it is valuable to her. Jesus says that God seeks us because we are valuable to him. So then our task is to learn how to see ourselves through the eyes of our heavenly father. Advent is the anticipation of what God has done and what he will do again to restore us to the men and women he intended us to be. When we know that corruption is not the deepest level of our identity, we are free to be as ruthless as we need to be in dealing with our sin. And God brought us all this to us through the first advent of Jesus, whose second advent we eagerly await. Scripture meditation for today is the whole chapter of Psalm 139. So let's read it together. If you have your Bible, go ahead and read it with me as you're listening. Maybe that'll help you. Um, Just a recommendation. But here's Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea... Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me, night, even though the darkness is not dark to you, the light is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you form my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way 
everlasting. Action steps. Sometime today or as soon as you're able, ask your family one of these questions. What does it mean to take care of ourselves? Does taking care of ourselves seem selfish to you? Why or why not? How does valuing ourselves help us value others?